You're listening to the Rough Draft Podcast, Season 10, Episode 4, where Emily sits down and talks to her friend Juno about Disability Awareness Month. awesome friend Juno Sykes and they're going to tell us a little bit about autism for um, Disability Awareness Month. Why don't you introduce yourself Juno? Uh, Hi my name is Juno. I have always struggled with mental illness but I was just recently diagnosed with autism December 2019. So how did that affect you getting diagnosed later on in life? A lot of people get diagnosed when they are you know like five or six years old, like right when they're able to be placed on the spectrum? Well, it's, I think it's affected me the most because I haven't been able to receive help for it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of help for autistic people occurs in elementary school. Right. And there's not much help for autistic people once they turn 18. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't diagnosed until I was 18. So a lot of trying to receive help, trying to understand like how my brain works and how I work and function in society has been completely uprooted. Right. And I've been trying to figure it out ever since. And it's it's very confusing to try and navigate. When you got diagnosed, did you go to the doctor at, like in like seeking help thinking that you had autism or like how did that work? Were you like I feel like I have you well, know, symptoms of autism. We're not symptoms, but I feel like I have too. I was diagnosed with uh, depression and bipolar um, when I was 14, 15. Mm-hmm. So I've always been able to understand the fact that I do have mental um, inca- incapabilities, but I went to my, uh, my actual pediatric doctor and I said, there's a lot of things that have been coming up since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to assume or even just diagnose myself. So right. if this is a problem and this is a thing that I, I might have, how would I go about doing it? Right. So, so you did have prior knowledge about autism prior to being diagnosed. What yes. did you know about it before you were diagnosed? Did you know like the general knowledge of like, okay, there's a spectrum? Or did you know a little bit more, you know, detailed aspects of it? Well, I, I knew about more severe forms of autism in the spectrum because my mom used to work with uh, autistic children as well as just in general special education children. So I actually used to work with them um, as well whenever she would teach them. So I knew about the more severe kind of um, forms and the symptoms of it, but it wasn't until, it sounds so crazy, but literally like TikTok. It was like, oh, these are the things that like, oh, this is like autism awareness. And I was like, wait, I do that too. Does that just make me neurodivergent or does that like make me actually autistic? And that's why I was like, again, don't want to just go diagnose myself. So I went to my doctor and said, hey, these are all the things. And um, one thing that I did find out uh, once I like did some research on it to be like, hey, am I just going crazy or is this something real was a lot of the signs of autism in early age children Mm -hmm. with babies and toddlers 
I saw that reflected in a lot of the stories that my mother told me from when I was interesting. Kid. Okay, so she she openly told you about some of the things that you were afflicted by when you were younger, some of like the little quirks you had, and was she, did she overlook that in place of trying to normalize your education? What do you th why do you think she didn't tell you about that and really emphasize uh, the importance of autism or even disabilities in general? Well, I never, so I'm actually, supposedly, I don't really understand the spectrum as much as I should, seeing as I'm on it. Um, it, it has a gift. That is so gifted oddly so ironic. <laughs> I know. It's, uh, <laughs> it supposedly ranges from like gifted to non-gifted, I guess. Okay. And I had an IQ of like 170, was super smart, always was able to do really well in school. So I think my mother said that she knew that I had signs of autism, but she thought that since I was so like capable that I never right. had to so receive help for it. In in respect to that, do you think that people need to learn a little bit more about autism before they start diagnosing people? You know, like because I feel like there are some times when you just kind of like label those things as like quirks you label those things as just like oh like that's just them do you think that other people should probably get a little bit more information before they brush it off that way I because we've, we've you and i have talked about this before we have mm -hmm. talked about the fact that you feel like you've had to compress sort of the little like ticks that you have some of the things that you feel like you, you get overwhelmed by like, how has that affected you? And like, what can other people do to make it better? Well, I think, I have to say that my own personal situation is a little bit different because I grew up single mom. She was working three jobs when I was starting to really struggle and starting to really show signs of it. So it's not the fact that she did, she saw it and just wanted to turn away. I think she kind of came up with an excuse later, like, oh, I didn't want you to have to like, feel different, right. which is a whole topic on itself, but <laughs> my mom, I just don't think there were resources available that she felt were easy. So mm -hmm. she, in order to get me help, we'd have to pay for counseling, we'd have to go through all of this, and she just didn't have the time. Okay. She just didn't have the ability to put that awareness onto me, and I don't want people to go thinking negatively of my oh, mother right. because of that. <laughs> it's cause she had a lot going on, mm -hmm. and while that unintentionally grew up to be like, oh, you need to stop because you're hard on your mother, mm -hmm. it was a, these resources aren't available, I don't have the time, you're doing fine enough that once it becomes a problem, we'll deal with it, but right now you seem to be fine. So in regards to the, uh, the experiences that you've had, when do you feel like you were the most afflicted by autism like do, like because we've talked like I said we've talked about like condensing your feelings into something more palatable for people who aren't neurodivergent how do you think that has gone for you for the past what do you think like 19 years uh I think the hardest part was people it was always always people so and like think, social interactions oh yeah all the time like I I would be great friends with my teachers and I was great friends with a lot of like adults, people that were older than me. So you mimicked the behaviors of others frequently, or um, how did you navigate your way through uh, social interactions before you were diagnosed with autism? So 
it didn't actually start becoming a problem with people until college where you are not constantly surrounded by people mm -hmm. and you have to instead go out and actively seek out those relationships right, right. which is extremely difficult that, um, yeah that's a whole other sort of <laughs> navigation that yeah. it, like you don't even think of because i feel like you are thrusted into a situation in elementary middle and high school where it's like you need to interact with this group of people otherwise you are not going to succeed it is not like that in college in college it's more self-directed do you think college was better for it or do you think that it was a little bit worse because you felt like you needed to be more independent well the the thing with me is that I'm really good at being told what to do I can pick it up really easily because for <laughs> so long I've always been like oh hey what you're doing the way you're acting around these people is wrong and I was like oh, okay I can just adapt and I can just change and then that way I can fit into this group. Change for others. Yeah, and right. that was really easy because it was available to me. It was right there and I could read a bit, essentially like the blueprints of how to do it. Okay. Make friends, feel important in society. And as soon as it's like, okay, now you're free. Mm -hmm. You can do whatever you want. My mother isn't telling me what to do anymore. I don't have a schedule given to me. Mm -hmm. And it suddenly became a thing where I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to wake myself up and do all these things. I have to make my own food. I have to go to the mm -hmm. grocery store. Mm -hmm. I have to create my own schedules. That's a, that's a completely different kind of social interaction. That is survival interaction. <laughs> you need to interact with the cashier. You need to interact with your professors. You need to interact with people it's on exhausting. campus. It's exhausting. Yeah. It's so tiring to constantly have to try and figure out what people want from me when, because for so long I've been told whether or not people knew that they were telling me mm -hmm. that's what I took and that's what I ran with. So you think you were told to sort of please others in order to be gratified? I grew up where my mother quite often favored my sister. So I would often try to mimic my sister mm -hmm. for my mother to like me. Okay. I found out that when I get good grades and when I act a certain way in class, then teacher would like me. And I like attention, you know, you like being liked. <laughs> I found out when I watched this thing or I showed interest in this thing or I said something, then the guy over there that everyone likes might be able to talk to me too. Mm -hmm. So I started to, I think a lot of people don't look at relationships that way, but it's, mm -hmm. I've never been able to find out what I like. Because it was so often like, how can I like something and how can I learn to do this thing so that I fit and other people will want to talk to me back? So you would say you find more satisfaction in not necessarily how other people perceive you, but letting people know that they can get something from you, that you can do something for them, that you can contribute something to their lives. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Um, I think it was just, I, and it's really, it seems so much more detailed than it actually is, and it's really just something that I don't even think about at this point. Mm -hmm. And it's just, this is how I acted, this is how easy it was for me, this is how everything was organized, and that was so easy when I was younger, and I could just put certain things in, I'm very compartmentalized in here, it's like a oh, filing cabinet. Okay. Yeah, so it was, it was so much easier when I was younger to fit in and to do things that I knew would work out. And now that I'm older and 
everyone's like, oh, like now you're really trying to discover yourself and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, I guess I'm discovering that life is really hard. <laughs> and um, I've never felt like I've ever actually made a true connection with anyone in my life because of that. Interesting. And I've always felt super alone because I've never been able to grasp the concept that, hey, people kind of like it when you're you rather than mm -hmm. what they want you to be. That is very compelling. What do you, so what are some of the like components of autism that you think you have really had to like, like stay, stay under the radar? You know what I mean? Like, do you, do you feel like there are certain instances in which you have been, I don't know if like discriminated against is the right word, but like have, has, has there ever been a time when you told somebody that, hey, I have autism, and they immediately thought different of you. My boss. <laughs> okay. Um, I started, okay, I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for this. Uh, I started working at Starbucks. Just like don't tell your boss you do a podcast. Or yeah, yes. <laughs> I started working at Starbucks, um, I think like a week before I got diagnosed. Mm -hmm. So in Starbucks, they have like this disability thing. And one of the things with autism was like, I don't know if I should check it because technically I'm not diagnosed with it. Mm -hmm. So I was working at one store down in my hometown. And then when I moved up here, I started working in a different store. And he didn't know I was autistic. I never worked with him. But a lot of the people that I did work with knew. And I worked nights. He worked mornings. So I never saw him, never had to worry about him knowing. So the people that I worked with at night were really accommodating. They understood when I went up to them and said, hey, I can't do this because mm -hmm. I'm going to walk out of this store. And they're like, all right, we don't want that to happen. So we're just gonna accommodate and understand that there's certain things that you're good at doing, like making drinks, certain things you're bad at, like making small talk. So I started working mornings this semester and I went up to my boss and I was like, hey, I've been on drive through with talking to people for four hours and I can't do it anymore. Can I please move off? And mm -hmm. he's like, why, why can't you just do this? Right. And I was like, I don't want to talk right now. I can't handle all these people. Is it more um, is, is it more beneficial for you to have a schedule rather than kind of be confronted with something that you weren't anticipating? I think it's better when I'm constantly challenged. When you put me in one place for four hours, I can't. My brain will just go into this numbing, like, drone. Like robotic. Yeah. Okay. So when I told him and I came up to that, and he was like, oh, why can't you? And I said, I'm autistic, so there's certain things, that the ways that I function that I know are good, and I need you to do this or else I, I can't. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, that's part of the job, and if you can't do that, then maybe this job isn't for you. Uh, well, in addition to that, in addition <laughs> to that absolute atrocity of a statement that he said, um, you, you are going to be afflicted by many things in the workforce because of you know, because of autism, do you think that people, people do need to start making these accommodations, right? I mean, I, that, that's, that's crazy to me. Like, how did, how did you deal with that? Uh, I changed my schedule. But like, yeah. what do you, what, like, what would you say you're going to do when you like start to get a job that is more that's more consistent, that's more like, you know, it, like an actual like career, when you start to develop a career, do you think that you would rather just 
tell people straight off the bat, like, hey, I have autism, I'm dealing with this, like, how, how are you going to navigate through that? Like, I'm, I'm interested because, you know, you're going to go through the interview process, a, a, a much more stringent, much more rigorous interview process when you do get, a, like, a job uh, to have a career. How do you think you're going to be able, like, how do you think you're going to manage that? So, that was a lot, hold on, let me process. <laughs> so, the best way I can describe the way that I approach a lot of new things when meeting a lot of new people, especially if they're older than me, is that my mother always taught me to look at every side of a person mm -hmm. before meeting them. And we could say a lot about my mother and the way that she <laughs> taught me how to handle things, but I think that was probably the best thing that she ever could teach me. So. No, I don't think I'll ever say that I'm autistic right off the bat because that is something that people will have a prejudice against. Not necessarily a prejudice, but they'll have a certain idea about who I am before they've even met me. Okay, right. And I don't want that, obviously, because mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think autism is this like, oh my gosh, you're autistic, you're going to be such a bad employer. I don't right. think that's what it is anymore, but I don't want them to think, oh, this is someone else I'm going to have to deal with and accommodate and work with. And I'm like, I don't want people to think that prior because there's no way of knowing that they will have to accommodate that because I want to be a teacher. Right. So how do you think people are going to be able to, how do you think that they can extinguish these preconceptions? Do you think that there needs to be more awareness? Do you think that more people need to like tell their story? I think autism is something that people don't really quite understand even like in a scientific way yet. Mm -hmm. So I just don't think so much pressure should be put on autistic people to come forward and say, oh, I'm autistic, right. hi, deal with it. That's that's kind of, that's a lot of pressure on us to constantly have to accommodate for other people and let them know and basically warn them. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, and it shouldn't be a warning. Yeah. It should, it should be an understanding. So I think to go forward from this, understand that most of the time, if an autistic person is having trouble, we'll tell you. Mm -hmm. We'll be straight up with you. Be like, hey, this isn't working out and this needs to change or I'm going to change it. Mm -hmm. So if people are just accommodating towards that, it's not as difficult as some people may think. Mm -hmm. And I think that's more so on the more, people call it, I think, what, high level or high highly functioning autism. High, high functioning. Which I've heard I that think, before. can I curse? We'll cut it out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She thinks think it's stupid. Yeah, stupid. stupid. Pardon my French, but that's dumb. <laughs> I think it's stupid. No need to get political, Juno. Pardon my French, but this is just silly. I'm sorry. But <laughs> I think um, it's it's really stupid to define us as high functioning when we're not necessarily high functioning or mm -hmm. even not like it's also belittling to people to have show more severe signs. I was going to ask about that because. While, yes, I can actually get annoyed by some people who have more <laughs> severe signs of autism, uh -huh. I have to understand that, hey, Juno, you were more than capable. You had all of these problems right, when right. you were young, but they were forced out of you. And I think my anger isn't necessarily the fact that, like, ugh, you're not being convenient. It's more like, how can you act like that? And how can you right. get accommodated? And how can you be like that when I had to force myself and mm. make myself uncomfortable to be normal? Do you think that the spectrum as a whole is way, like, antiquated? Do you think it's just, like, severely outdated? Like, why do you think that people, like, people that made the spectrum aren't autistic? They're, like, mm -hmm. scientists. 
So it's a little bit ironic that people that don't have autism made the autism spectrum and they were like, we're going to place you on this and you're going to deal with it. And we're going to call you high functioning. We're going to call you low functioning. We're going to do all of this stuff and we're going to say that it's for you, but really it's for us to be able to consume better. It's for you to be able to understand how we work. Exactly. We're different. And right. Well, I have nothing against the way that they diagnose autism. I, I think it's definitely come a long way from Asperger's, which technically yeah. isn't even a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. So that, my grandfather was diagnosed with Asperger's. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's definitely come a long way, and I would be stupid to be ungrateful for some of the ways that science has progressed and is willing to progress. Right. I guess if it wasn't implemented, then people would just kind of think that you're, like, typical and they would just they would treat you poorly not because you're autistic but because they would see that you can't that you can't deal with things better than others and then that's a whole other kind of prejudice they would have against you I feel so like I the spectrum really (laughs) it it really interests me because I some people that have, you know, the severe cases of autism, so to speak, um, they don't know. You know, like, it's, there are some people who are way more afflicted by autism who can't say they have autism. Like, some, like they're, like, nonverbal, even. So, like, how do you how do you let people know that they are accepted by society when they there's really no like comprehensive way to talk to them about the spectrum? I think what people get wrong about autistic people is the fact that we don't care if we're accepted by society most mm-hmm. of the time. We don't care that there is a society. Right. And that's what I think a lot of people get wrong is like, oh, well, just know that we accept you. And we're like, we don't care. We don't care if you accept us. We don't care if you are accommodating to us. We just want to live mm-hmm. the way that we think and not face, like, judgment, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So as long as you're respectful and not, like, harming them, you don't really have to because they'll probably happy just doing their own thing mm-hmm. rather than feeling like someone's looking at us through, like, little... Glass. Yeah. Do you th- do you think that there are some people that have uh, like more severe cases of autism? Do you think that they are put under a microscope where it's like, okay, we're gonna like, oh, we're really gonna study this one, this one, this one's bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why I think I think that's what my mom was trying to make sure that never happened to me because mm-hmm. she saw that I was super intelligent but weird, <laughs> and she was like, I don't want my child to be the weird one in the class. And while I always felt like inside of my brain, yeah, I was different, I was weird, and I'm accommodating, she always did these little things to try and almost train me, be like, you're not going to be that person in class that everyone makes fun of, you're not going to be the person that gets, because a lot of times in special ed classes, which I was placed in Mm -hmm. when I was younger, because I had a speech impediment, and um, they just were so behind. I remember I was like, this book is too easy. I can't, I've already read it 18 million times. I'm bored. I need something new. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't let me. Was get... it because you had a speech impediment? They would be like, okay, you must not be able to no, comprehend so, that? Uh, no, it was because I was in a special ed class. Oh, okay. So since I was in that class, they're like, no, we're not going to move you up because this is the limits of this class. Mm-hmm. My mom saw that and immediately said, no, 
my child is smart enough to be moved to the different class, test them, make sure that they right. know what, like, and then I tested and got 160 and they moved me to the special gifted classroom. Oh. And I think that so many people see a speech impediment, autism, something like that, saying, oh, well, we're just going to keep you in this bubble and never expound upon what you can do because we're too afraid of so, you not doing well. Right, so you want people to be given opportunities to be in classes that might be more advanced than what they're capable of, but it's going it's going to allow them to learn, it's going to allow them to progress and develop into a more, I guess, like, I don't, I don't want to say capable because you already are capable, but like, I, it's kind of like when you put somebody in a class of people like it say I can't think of an analogy For, oh this is a good one if you're if you if you are a really good soccer player and you play rec soccer for your entire life and you do not really divulge any other attributes that that set you like that make you better than every other like player on the team you have all of these and you're like there's like a level of like stagnancy that happens like do you think that that's what happens in like classes where it's like okay so I'm not getting better I'm not getting worse I'm just like going through the motions is that how you felt when you were in those classes oh yeah right and I was like a lot of people in classes would actually reach out and be like hey you're smart help me and I think mm -hmm. a lot of people relate autism to stupid which is not true at all it's just and just in general, there's so many neurodivergent people, whether they're autistic or have ADD or something like that, that are incredibly intelligent. Yeah, sure, they might be bad at math, but they can create and think about these amazing scenarios and situations. They might be an excellent writer and good at English, mm -hmm. but they're going to be deemed as stupid because they failed math. So where are they going to get put? Special education. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to feel their whole lives that they're stupid. Mm -hmm. When they're not, they're just not being properly taught or properly trained and helped in the way that they are intelligent. Mm -hmm. So I was always really good at math. I was awful at English, always failed all the tests. Which is crazy because she's like, or no, they're actually an excellent writer right now. It totally switched. It's crazy that they're telling me this right now well, because Juno do writes very well. The reason why I was bad is because they gave me multiple choice tests. And when they finally were like, why are you doing so bad? I was like, because this answer makes more sense. And they're like, no, it doesn't. That's the wrong answer. And I would literally be like, no, this is the right answer, and this is why you're stupid. <laughs> and when I finally got to college, and when I got to, like, AP Lang in mm -hmm. 11th grade, she was like, you're one of the best writers I've ever met. I was like, you think so well. And the way that she, I literally, she gave me a thesis, and I answered a question that was completely different from what she asked. She's like, how did you get that from that? And I explain it. Interesting. And she's like, what? Is that so? What, do you is is English better for you because there is no right answer and you're able to think more abstractly? Is that? Well, I was always good at math, so that's what I'm saying. Is that we are judging these people and just everyone in general on this certain scale. We're giving them a multiple choice answer. We're telling them this is right, that's wrong, and mm -hmm. as soon as they try and give a challenging point of view, you fail them. Mm -hmm. So. That's without giving I'm, constructive feedback either exactly. because when right from you know being right people are just thinking like you're right but when you're wrong people like there's no people don't elaborate on that so i was good at math because again like i've drawn back to prior i've always been really good <laughs> at giving or taking what people are giving me and doing a great job at it you give me a formula i got you 
You tell me, hey, this is how this works in English, and I'm going to disagree because I don't think so. Because <laughs> that creates a more creative right. and taps into a different thought process. Juno's devil's advocate. <laughs> She's <laughs> like, Hitler wasn't that bad of a person. No. <laughs> that kind of devil's don't advocate. Don't put that in my mouth. <laughs> uh, no, actually, like, uh, side note. Autistic people are actually more likely to be a part of like the LGBT community and a part of social activism because so much of what we see, we don't agree with. Mm-hmm. And we think outside of how a lot of people think. And I think because of that, people think that we're wrong and stupid and need a different type of training. Mm-hmm. Because school trains you for the workforce. So what is the workforce going to want you to do? Make this listen to rules. Right. We don't want to do that. So people think that we're dumb. Or we have certain ways of going about things that don't make sense to other people, and they don't want to sit down and listen and understand why we do the way that we do. So I was basically trained out of basically talking back, even though I still do, um, for so long. And I think now that I've grown older and started to hear other people's stories who are autistic and basically accept myself more mm-hmm. it was a lot easier right and I still haven't told my mom <laughs> uh-huh. but uh, it's I guess could you like apply the phrase like it's easier to you know accommodate to a group than an individual because if you accommodate for one individual it's like you have 10 others that you need to mm-hmm. that, that you need to start understanding them too so do you, like that that might be a reason why people are like, okay, I'm going to look at autistic people as a group rather than an individual because I'm going to generalize the entire community instead of trying to understand the broad range of people who are affected by it. And that's why I think they created the spectrum so mm-hmm. that they could better understand and basically be like, all right, Juno is 163 IQ, super smart, eloquent, but doesn't like listening to rules, so high functioning. <laughs> this person is a little bit less capable of bringing like good speech or thinking in the way that we that we think and they like to talk a lot and don't often read social cues as well we're going to put them on low functioning Mm -hmm. i can't read social cues but they're not going to pay attention to that because i get good grades in classes and also it's difficult to even examine children at like and their social cues because children don't have social cues. <laughs> yeah. They're they're like they're going to think the way that they think and they're not going to care how you feel about it. They're just going to tell you. That's mm-hmm. all children. Yeah. So what like it's crazy to me that they're like diagnosing kids so young because it's like oh well they have no social cues. I'm like Miss Ma'am, this this five year old no matter what is going to tell you how they feel and they're going to they're going to be weird and they're going to be themselves because that's what a five year old is. Mm-hmm. So. How do you feel about that? I think, in the end, just pay attention and just be open. Because all children are going to be different, like you said. All children are going to have a different level of need that they're going to have. And, I mean, this could be a whole other topic about like low educate, like low funds for educators who don't have the capabilities to give that single attention to people that need it. So I think if parents just pay attention and care and just listen to what their child needs and have the time to do that Mm -hmm. then they'll be fine Mm -hmm. and then being autistic isn't bad being autistic doesn't necessarily need help well it would be nice to understand how i work and like what this might mean for my future we're not broken we're not any Mm -hmm. like flawed 
any more flawed. It's just right. there are certain things that I needed that I didn't get, so I made them myself. And now once I get to this age where I have to completely change everything that I've been doing for so long, yeah. it threw me for a spin. And I was like, maybe I am autistic. Maybe I yeah. do need this special help. There's also, you know, the stigma that people can't ask questions. You say you say you're autistic, and you're like, and you're like, oh, and then people people shy away from it. They don't mm-hmm. they don't want to understand it because they feel like they're going to insult you trying. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think it's better to ask questions and be like, hey, like, as long as it has no ill intent or like you know offense to it, mm-hmm. would you say that like, hey, yes, ask me. Time and place. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I've had people in the middle of a rush at Starbucks, decide to ask a question, and I said, maybe ask me after the shift is over, and I'm not <laughs> literally in my mode, please. Yeah. Um, if it's during class and there's a lecturer, please don't ask me right then, because then you're going to be outing me to the whole class that I'm autistic, and I don't want everyone to know, obviously, because I don't want them to have a preconceived notion of who I am. Mm-hmm. But if a teacher comes to me after class or sends me an email, and is like, hey, can I do anything? Mm-hmm. I'd be like, yeah, sure. Here's what you could do. Right. If I know what you can do, if there's nothing you yeah. need to do, then I'm not, you'd be like, oh yeah, you're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some people that can just tell and adapt. There's like, I think with you, I remember when I first told you that I was autistic, you were like, okay. And you didn't change anything. <laughs> no, that was that's fine. The, yeah, that's you didn't thing. need to. I think it's really important. Like it, it also depends on who you are as a person because mm-hmm. like, my mom, for example, like specializes in special education. Mm-hmm. I grew up sort of under I don't I never fully understood the spectrum, but I understood that there are people who have autism, there are people who have Down syndrome, there are people who have disabilities, and that is okay. And it wasn't normalizing it to the extent of like, you know, disregarding it, but it was normalizing it to the extent of I'm not going to look at you as a different person because I know you have this disability. People sometimes, children, do not grow up as open, with, with open-minded parents mm-hmm. or, you know, in, in a household that accepts people like that. And that in itself is such a crime, such a crime. And I, I think that it is really important to emphasize to children at a young age, hey, there are there's a myriad of people out in this world and you 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 know you expose your child to different kinds of people so that they have a better understanding of who they are and who they want to surround themselves with and when I got older as much as I say that college has sucked socially it's also definitely helped me find people that will understand so Mm -hmm. the thing about me that I realized was because of autism when I was older, or younger, actually. Um, I hate, <laughs> when I was older. <laughs> I hate water. I hate showers. I hate bath. I hate, like the feeling of it? The sensation? I literally hate it touching me. It's disgusting. I, I cannot do it. And so she's some, not a swimmer? No, I hate it. I <laughs> hate going into swimmer. pools. I hate going into oceans. I hate going into... I hate taking showers. And my mom, when I was younger, used to think it was because I was lazy and just gross. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, I literally couldn't express how much I, I hate it. So that was a major sensory thing. Yeah, and I didn't take showers, and I got, like, gross because of it. Mm-hmm. And eventually my mother was like, hey, 
you have lice. That's disgusting. <laughs> get, your, get yourself together. And of course, like now that I'm older, I take showers regularly as much as I hate it. Like everyone's like, oh, I can take two hours shower. So you still feel that way where like the water hits you and you're oh, like, yeah. please kill me? Oh yeah. Um, but like that's fine. I I take like eight minute showers and I'm clean and I'm good and we're good. Yes, yeah, so Juno um, is clean. I can confirm. I do not smell <laughs> them from here. Um, but I the hardest part was, hey, do you want to come to this pool party? Mm. No, I don't want to go to a pool party. I don't want to get in the pool. Right. Why aren't you in the pool, Gino? Okay, I guess I'll get in the pool. And like, yeah. now that I'm older, I went on a trip with friends. Gaslight you into going to the pool. Pretty much, yeah. Um, going to the beach. Hate it. Hate sand. Hate, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. So now that I'm older, I'm like, hey, this is, this is what's up. I'll go to the pool. I'll sit on the edge of it. I'm not going in. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay, sounds good. And it's so much nicer that I found the people that are willing to work with me around that. I'll be like, hey, I'm not going to the beach. Y'all have great. And they're like, oh, well, we want you to go. So we'll go to the amusement park instead. Mm -hmm. And I like, at that point, I literally was about to cry because it was the first time anyone's ever not even questioned it. Didn't ask why, didn't say anything, didn't be like, oh, is it because you're autistic or make me feel burdened about it? They're like, oh, this isn't working for them. So let's move to something completely different. Mm -hmm. And I was like, thank you so much for not making a big deal out of it thank you so much for not asking me a million questions or yeah why can't you touch the water juno exactly yeah or like why are you wearing a t-shirt it's because like, the t-shirt blocks the water okay yeah not that hard. <laughs> um, it's not that hard to understand <laughs> exactly so it was the first time that especially that i've gotten older and i tend to understand like other neurodivergent people will get it they'll be like oh okay well i can't sleep without this stuffy so i get that you need a comfort blanket mm -hmm. and I've definitely found there are more very of those specific people. things in yeah. your life that you're like, I need this. Yeah. But I cannot have this. Yeah. And as I got older, and again, growing up with gifted people that I've mm -hmm. seen my whole life, they're typical. They don't understand that. Mm -hmm. And I was able to luckily find people probably just brush you up as picky or something. Yeah. Like, oh, I can't eat this food. Oh, you're just weird. Like, no, yeah. it's the texture, and I will throw up. Mm -hmm. um, and now that I'm older, it's so much easier with um, social media, internet, and all that to access the kind of people that will understand it. Also, in the same sense, though, I, I, first of all, I'm very ecstatic that you're able to find a, you know, a community of people who accepts you for who you are. Mm -hmm. And um, if, if people in general don't do that for anybody, then you're not doing your job right. But. Um, with social media, you would think that people have a would have a better understanding of it. You're you know you're able to go out and you're able to find people that are similar to you, and you're like, hey, you know, I can't touch water, and somebody's like, wow, same. But at the same time, you talk to somebody, you talk to somebody outside of that community who, on the internet, and they're like, what's that? You know what I mean? So like, these things are so accessible, yet so, I so not necessarily frowned upon, but like. People don't go and seek it out. People don't want to understand it. They just want to generalize it. Mm. I think the one thing that I've come across when I first, now that I know I'm autistic, I try and find other people that are like me. Mm -hmm. um, it's actually really difficult to do. But um, I have a lot of friends who have ADHD though. That's, that's one thing. Um, I'll meet a person and they're like, oh, I'm just... I'm autistic and da-da and this and this and this and this. I'm right. like, okay, yeah, I am too. Let's talk about it because I'm sure it's hard mm -hmm. for you. 
and they're like, oh no, you wouldn't understand because my situation uh, is so much worse. Right. Or but also it even comes to the point where I'm like, oh, when were you diagnosed? And they said, oh, I diagnosed myself. Okay, that's that's where it comes in. Like throwing the word autism around. Like people mm. need to know about autism without saying they're autistic. Does that make sense? Like yeah. you know, like it's like. I would equate it like similarly to somebody saying that they have depression or OCD. Like what happens when the person who is super like very struggling with depression, who is diagnosed with depression, is being undermined and overlooked because there are a million other people in the world that are using that term so frivolously. Because they're just sad. Yeah. Right. So um, it's actually if if you are diagnosed with one mental disorder, it is very likely and it's very plausible that you could have multiple. Mm-hmm. So like I said earlier, I was first diagnosed with depression, bipolar depression, manic, um, and anxiety um, before I was diagnosed with autism. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard conceptualizing the fact that is it autism or is it bipolar? Is mm-hmm. it this or this? And that's just really difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think what a lot of people don't understand is that a diagnosis doesn't mean that you are going to face all the symptoms mm-hmm. all the time. Right. People think about it so negatively yeah. that they almost use it as a, a an insult. It's like, oh, you're autistic. That's yeah. autistic. Yeah. I, also, additionally, or let's talk about this because I've asked you about this before and you went on a very oh, lovely no. tangent about it. <laughs> I've asked how you feel about like, you know, when somebody's like, somebody does something that might be a little bit like silly and it's like, oh, you're so autistic. Oh, that's autistic. People label something as autistic. People label somebody as autistic because what they're doing is like, it's not, it's not typical. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you can can say the same thing about like depression. It's like, oh, you're so depressed. Stop being sad. You're so depressed. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of people think you can just like turn it off. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I kind of can turn it off, but it's exhausting and I don't want to do that anymore. (laughs) Um, I think it was, it's mostly when people look at, especially if you're, say, your age, Gen Z, Mm -hmm. look at these mental disorders, and we've reached a point where we are aware, we want to help these people, but we also think that we ourselves have all of these issues. And I've faced multiple times where I'll meet a new person, and I'll feel like we'll get along really well, and then they're like, oh, well... I'm struggling too hard. Here's all my problems. This is what I'm going through. It's almost like a competition to see who's worse. It's almost like a competition. Yeah, it's and like my depression is worse than yours. Yeah. My, my disability is worse than your disability, and mm-hmm. here is why. There's not. There's no middle ground. There's there's no understanding each other. It's mm-hmm. just it's projecting and walking away at that point. Yeah, and I. That's one of the reasons why I don't like to talk about my disorders a lot is because I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that person that uh, I, feel I like, don't like. Oh my so goodness. I'm just going to keep it to myself and not and just get over it because right. it's better to just deal with it myself than it become either one, a big issue, or two, something that they brush off and don't fully try to understand because that is right. two of the most insulting things that you can do when a person goes to you asking for mm-hmm. help. Or when you feel like it's somebody else's problem and, yeah. it's, and you're like, okay, so now... You definitely think different of me. Mm-hmm. And although they might not, you're at that point where it's so self-sabotaging mm-hmm. that you're like, there's no way that they think the same way they did before I told them this. And I really just want people to be active listeners. Listen to what we're saying. Sympathize with it. If you can empathize and you can be like, hey, this is my situation. I get you. I understand. Mm-hmm. That's a lot different than being like, well, my day-to-day, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So, 
I don't want anyone to think that because you have a mental disorder that you should hide it and accommodate and listen to other people because, oh, where was I going with this? I totally lost my train of thought. Never mind. Yeah, we're done with that. That's gone. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I overthought it and now it's gone. I don't even know what I was saying. You're, you were talking about people feeling the need to accommodate for it. Oh, yeah. So I never want people to think that because there are so many people out there that treat mental disorders as a crutch, as something that mm-hmm. they use to get attention, that you feel like you're using it to get attention. Because so often I'm like, That's very powerful. I'll have like a tick or something. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm making fun of people with Tourette's. Oh my gosh, I'm just doing it for, I'm just doing it for attention. Right. I'm like, I'm freaking out because there's so many people that would do that. And I don't yes. want anyone to ever It's hide. hard to distinguish. It's like, yeah. you know, you want to help everybody, but at the same time, it's like, what are your intentions by, you know, for, by telling me this? Mm-hmm. Do you want help? Do you want me to, like, just listen? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that it's, it, do you, do you think that it is the reciprocants, like, a d- job to distinguish what you need? Or do you think it's your job to tell people what you need as somebody who is neurodivergent? I don't think people should assume. Mm-hmm. If they know me well enough or they can tell that there's something wrong with me or that I don't like something and I'm obviously too scared to do something about it, then yeah, sure, come up to me, ask what I need. Mm-hmm. But that's also taking my choice away sometimes, mm-hmm. and I don't like that at all. I'm a little bit of a control freak, but um, <laughs> I think just, again, listen, be aware, and it's not even like, oh, I have to set everything aside to pay attention. It's just, hey, check up on your friends. If you're hanging out together and they look uncomfortable, be like, hey, you good? Or just be like, oh, hey, I know that this is something that bothers them, so I'm just going to do something else. And it's not it's not as time-consuming and as exhausting as a lot of people make it out to be. Mm-hmm. Just be there. Pay attention. Ask if you want to, if it's a good situation and you're worried about them. Mm-hmm. And if they say, oh, no, I'm fine, then at that point, listen, mm-hmm. even if they're not fine, because then they're doing things their own way. Right. And that's how I think of it. Again, I can't speak for everybody because <laughs> I'm very independent. That's how I was raised. That's how I like to think. Mm-hmm. So there's some people that's like, oh, hey, keep pushing because I just literally won't say anything. Right. And I've had friends that were like that. And, of course, I'll accommodate and understand and be there for them from that point. And if yeah. I can do that, then other people can too. Understood. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining me okay. today on this podcast. I think yeah. your responses were spectacular. Spectacular. Okay. And I hope other people walk away with a better knowledge of, you know, not autism as a whole, but like that people have separate experiences and it is very important that you understand them mm-hmm. as an individual rather than a group. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Rough Draft Podcast. We're going to take a week off for our school's fall break, but join us in two weeks for our episode on National Coming Out Day. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you then.